Well, well, well. Test one, two. How we doing, y'all? What's up, yep. guys? GM. GM, indeed. MG. GMSM. OMG, 3AC. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I've been off Twitter for like, uh, I, I believe the app on my phone uh, to prevent me from doom scrolling, which is a term I heard from Ryan Watkins. I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's what I do on Twitter these days. And, uh, but I, I, I redownloaded it to, to, join, to join us today here on this live stream. And I was like, oh gosh, this is, this is why I tuned out for a little while. Yeah, man. So uh, what were your thoughts on the cross-chain expo? We, we had a great time there. Let's, let's get into that. Oh man, it was, it was super fun. Um, so yeah, for everyone listening last week, Consensus, uh, if you guys are familiar, Consensus is like the second largest crypto conference in the US. They usually host in New York every year. And this year, for the first time, they brought it to Austin, Texas, which is our backyard. And uh, once they announced that, we were you know, we knew we wanted to do something special and, and bring the ThorChain community together and, and bring the bring ThorChain to Austin, bring the Austin community to ThorChain. Um, and so uh, together with a bunch of uh, all the ThorChain ecosystem projects, um, we hosted a, a big ThorChain conference on Wednesday last week. And and um, planning it for we planned it for about two months, and it was our first time doing an event like this. And and uh, we're some great partners, um, great sponsors throughout the ecosystem. So ThorChain, ThorSwap, ThorWalletDex, uh, ThorGuards, for uh, Rango Exchange, Maya Protocol, and um, and it went beautifully. Like the production was awesome, the talks were all amazing, the turnout was great. Um, and uh, that was Wednesday last week, and then on Saturday we um, we were I was able to land a ninety minute Thorchain ecosystem deep dive for for um, for Thorchain uh, on on the foundation stage of consensus, and we did that and had a, joined by Familiar Cow and, and uh, Chad B and Gavin from Nine Realms and a bunch of ecosystem projects there as well. So um, yeah, the week was a success. It was super fun. Great to see everybody in person. A lot of people are meeting in person for the first time. There are people from all over the world, from um, Asia, Europe. U.S. coming together, and so having yeah, a blast. How how did you guys enjoy it? You get it? Yeah, the uh, the panels on Wednesday were a really good time. That was like at at our own little venue. It was just it was literally just uh, Thorchads, pretty much. So yeah, that, that was pretty cool. I, like I had a good panel with uh, with. with Chad Barraford and Gavin and uh, Matt from Nine Realms. And yeah, we were just talking about, uh, you know, basically the stuff that we talk about on here every week, just in, in person and, you know, just getting their perspective. I, I love to talk about uh, the future of, of DoorChain because you got such a, a laser focus on where it's going. So it's always great to hear some visionaries like, uh, like Chad and Gavin speak on DoorChain. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you were you were great. It was great to have you up there. Thanks for thanks for moderating and for helping with all the content. And then uh, our, our our guy familiar Cal also uh, presented on Saturday at the main conference. It's about um, integrations, right? Like uh, nuances and, and uh, education on like how developers can integrate with Torchain. Yeah, we had a good panel there. Did you know what videos for uh, for stuff on Wednesday and then also for Saturday stuff? Do you know like uh, when that this videos go live so we can share this? With everybody yeah yeah so we um we i think released the teaser yesterday not the teaser the trailer or the um the recap video and that was just kind of, kind of this edited like two and a half three minute um highlight recap from the event and then we're gonna have full talks from our event the wednesday uh Thorchain expo released in the next week um and then i'm not sure consensus owns the content for the saturday panels that we did and so I don't know what their plans are for release. Um, we tried to get some clarity on that day of, but we're waiting to get back still. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited for that too, because it was all really good stuff and, and great for the ecosystem. So, um, 
Chad, Chad B, how was uh, how was your experience on the week? It, it, was, it was awesome. Just to see the the uh, the expo come together. Thank you so much for putting it all together. It was uh, great to meet people in the community, um, kind of shake some hands and, and kind of meet IRL. Um, listen to a couple of really great talks from the community as well. And I had a great on Beyond Stage with with um, Familiar Cow uh, hosting and all that kind of stuff. And me and Gavin, that's the first time me and Gavin kind of like shared a stage or did a like a like an interview or whatever together, which was kind of fun for us to like kind of riff off each other a bit, which was, you know, for me, it was cool. Agreed. Yep. Props to you, Saigon, for putting all that together. I mean, from afar, it looked incredible. I'm I'm really looking forward to all those uh, all the recordings and uh, pretending I like, like I was there. But seeing all the pictures in the trailer, it looked like such a success. So, great job. Yeah. Thanks. And, and uh, can't can't uh, say enough thanks to the ecosystem projects that we kind of split the bill and they pitched in, um, and uh, and we were able to have like a really healthy budget for production for the venue. Um, for some small kind of satellite events, like a small party that we posted and um, like a you know, lunch and a private lunch and a private dinner to build community amongst the ecosystem projects and sponsors. Uh, everybody showed up um, with just, uh, you know, help, help support the event, not just financially, but just then just uh, yeah, spending time together and, and connecting in person when we've all worked together. Some of us have worked together for months, even, even over a year um, and hadn't met in person yet, you know? And, and so it was a great kind of way to galvanize community amongst, amongst all the projects, which is great. Um, so we're, I think, uh, the general consensus is it was, it was a hit and we're going to try and go bigger and better next year. Yeah. It'd be great to see something, especially like with a, with a hackathon on that or something like that, something to really bring, you know, more devs into ThorChain and just like really up that community involvement. Like, Oh, it, it's definitely great for his time, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see what's going to happen in the future. I think so. Let's, uh, let's, let's uh, close it out with, I'd love to hear from you guys, like one highlight from the week and then one way that the made even better for the next for, for next year see uh if you're talking to me then uh, yeah. the highlight for me is just uh just meeting everybody and having a good time with the community and being able to share the, the vision of of Thorchain with other people and you know show how powerful it is and uh something to be improved like see i think i think having it on wednesday was uh is before the conference especially is difficult because like you know people aren't there on a wednesday like you know arriving or don't know about it so i think you know Better, better timing on that is is key. I think maybe doing it during a they would work. Like, is there so many people there that are just at the conference but not actually at the conference? So we just be like, hey, just come come over here and do, do our thing. But cool, yeah, noted. And yeah, it's kind of tricky, you know, timing it uh, when there's so much going on. Um, and then we had a bunch of other stuff planned too. So kind of fitting it in was like a kind of like Tetris. Um, and I can t- I can tell you selfishly from the organizer side, it was nice to have like the big nut at- before the rest of the events and like all the build up. Most of the responsibilities were like kind of like led up to Wednesday, and then after Wednesday, it, it made it so much easier to coordinate the rest of the week. Just having like <laughs> just having that. Out of the way. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think you know attendance might be better if we hosted it Thursday or Friday, like earlier earlier uh, during the same conference. Um, but cool, noted. And, and uh, Chad, how about you? What was your highlight from the week? And then. Um, how we might we make it even better for next year? Yeah, the highlight for me, I guess, just felt like similar kind of like just meeting people. Like there were a bunch of people that I've talked to like a, a whole bunch of times um, in the community as well as like uh, Maya, like other projects. Is and I just never really got to meet those people in person or have a really good conversation, you know, kind of face to face. And so it was really great to meet 
some more people and kind of put a face to the name and it kind of makes it all like feel more real in some sense. So that was really like, you know, quite something interesting, special for myself. Uh, in terms of improvement, I don't know. I mean, you did a great job the first time. Um, I guess like next year we can work on just like getting uh, more diverse speakers and just getting uh, more than just like the way that some great speakers from like the different wallet UIs, which is awesome. Uh, but it'd be great to get something like something else. Like um, I don't know what that would be, but like uh, other DEXs or who knows. Mm-hmm. Or maybe institutional, additional institutional investors who were like who were like getting into it and why they got into the space. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. But there's some opportunity there. I feel like. Yeah, agreed. That was one of the things I thought of. So, um, I'll share my, my my highlight, and then I'll echo what you're just saying for my an area improvement. Um, for me, there was a there was a highlight, and um, I, I, I kind of if hopefully people on this call might have seen like photos or the recap video, and you can kind of get a sense for what the stage production looked like. Seeing seeing that in in person, but like we, we kind of like. I told the production team directionally what, what we were hoping for, like black stage, black backdrop and curtains, silver beaming and like green accent lights and um, or green accent bars. But actually seeing that like being built and it, it was, it was actually honestly like, a little bigger and more epic than I even had in mind when I, when I saw it for the first time, I was like, holy shit, like, wow. And, uh, and then the first time I saw it was with, uh, with a bunch of the, the ecosystem partners and bonds. We had a private dinner the night before the event. And then we went to the venue uh, because the production team was there building, building out. So we did like a private tour of the venue before, before the, the main event that was going to happen the next day. And just, um, yeah, just like kind of seeing that come together, uh, at the same time as all the ecosystem partners and sponsors, um, and all the excitement and energy from it, you know, like about to culminate in the event that was to happen the next day. I thought that was a really special moment. I really enjoyed that. So, um, and then, um, the whole week was great. So it's hard to pick one, but that was one that sticks out in memory. And then, um, and then for areas improvement, there are two things that I thought of for the expo were, um, to Chad's point, I think if I'm being honest, like I didn't, most of my, most of my like anxiety in my head was on my production of the event. Right. So like the stage, all the things that happened that need to happen in person at the venue, um, and some of the design elements, the posters, making sure that all the sponsors were, were represented well, and we're going to be happy with how they were represented. So there's a lot of thought and care that went into that. Um, the two aspects of the expo that I think, we could we could uh we could we could level up on it one one was speakers um we have a we had a great draw from the sponsors obviously but then i think there was to chad's point room to bring in um other other speakers like like investors that are getting into it or other other protocols or digital protocols um some maybe that are complementary or being built on top of working in the future but um but flushing out the roster i think would be great and the second one is marketing aside from getting listed on uh, the consensus um, official website, getting on some of the uh, crowdsourced calendars that people are creating and then doing, um, and then, and then doing like some light social media stuff. Like we got on a little bit harder on, on marketing and, and gotten even more, even more people involved and more butts and seats and more people excited about blockchain. So um, yeah, those are kind of the, the my, my, my reflection, but that said, uh, thank you guys so much for, for your participation and involvement and um, for the opportunity. Uh, it, was, it was such an honor and such a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to going to your better. Maybe maybe we, uh, later this year, but definitely next year, for sure, too. We'll, we'll, we'll find some fun, fun events to get together around and, and we can imagine. Sweet. Thanks for having on, man. Great job. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm going to hop off now that you guys do it, but uh, yeah, we'll talk again soon, y'all. Just want to get a quick shout-out to Sunny in the audience. Who's, uh, Sunny is uh, one of the founders of... Um, Osmosis, which is a great uh, cross-chain index in the Cosmos ecosystem. So I see him in the audience. Just want to wave hello.
I was just about to say about this Atom integration that's incoming in the next week or two. Hmm. Yeah, so that's the next chain that we're looking at is is, uh, is Guy or, or the Atom token. Um, we chose that one because they were they basically are the, the biggest or most economically significant chain. Now that Terra's kind of dead and gone, at least Terra one at least um, kind of dead and gone. Uh, we went towards the Atom space. Uh, it's been running on on SageNet for. I think a week or two weeks or whatever it's been. Um, the team decided to to not do an audit on that chain code just because it's just a fork of the Terra chain client, which is already been audited. So there's no need to audit twice. In addition to an external audit, there's already been an audited internally as well by both the devs and the Forsyth team. So it just seems like that's been enough. So we're looking to add uh, go live with Adam probably in the next week, I think, maybe two weeks, depending on some things. Uh, and then you'll be able to create an Atom pool on the network and be able to swap in and out of Cosmos um, in a centralized way. Um, and then hopefully, we'll can go further down the road of Cosmos. And I think Cosmos is actually one of the ones that I'm interested in personally, just because I think they're one of the most, one of the more interesting projects in the space, um, in the Cosmos realm of things. Um, and then integrating then uh, Cosmos itself to be a deck aggregator would be like really big, because that would allow um, people on the... Um, in the Cosmos ecosystem to swap in a single transaction from, you know, Atom, Osmo, you know, uh, Juno or whatever into any asset on any chain in a single transaction. Uh, that includes layer ones, um, long tail assets on the end chains, all of that stuff. So that's pretty powerful stuff. And so I, I have my eyes set on Osmosis and, uh, to, to do that at some point in the uh, in the future, if we can, if we can collaborate and such. So would that look like an Osmo pool as well, or just through Dex aggregation uh, through the main Cosmos integration? Um, both are possible. Um, which way we actually go would it make more sense to me to go? Uh, it's more functionally faster to go through Osmo, uh, and there's just less kind of transactions happening. But at the same time, um, the Osmo token is its market cap is, is much less than Atom, and so the pool probably wouldn't be as deep as the Atom pool. So it becomes like a kind of a thing we that work out downstream. But either one could work. I think you'd have to use maybe even use interchain accounts, which is a new thing from the Cosmos space to like take Juno, swap it to um, you know I guess to Atom, and then have the Atom be sent into Thorchain, Thorchain swaps it to Ethereum, and then and then Ethereum goes to One Inch or something like this. Um, and it gets swapped to some sort of long tail asset. All that kind of happens in a single kind of workflow. So I guess you could probably just do it from just the Atom, I guess. Now that I think about it more, probably could just do it with Atom without even integrating on the Osmo chain directly. Okay, you could do a double swap on Osmosis or something like that. You can go through the, the Atom pool and then then from yeah. there, you know, swap to Osmo and then uh, you know, swap if, if there's another target. Yeah, it's probably going to do either way. And I, I, to be honest, I don't know enough to, to determine which one's more efficient. But they, I think it would work either way. We could probably do it just with the Atom chain integrated, and we could probably also do it if we integrated the Osmo chain directly as well, uh, which, which would save an extra swap, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it would save because we could swap to Osmo in one transaction. I think. I think, but I think Osmo is different though. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they don't have a, a, a necessarily a base pair. Like it's not Osmo an asset in all cases. Most of the time, that's true, I think, but not in all. Sony obviously would know stuff to say, of course. But my understanding correctly, which I could be uh, incorrect, is that uh, the Osmo is not in all pools, but it is in most pools, I think. But I'm not that familiar with it. Uh, but anyways, you swap to Osmo. Osmo gets sent to Thorchain. Thorchain swaps it in two swaps to Ether, and then Ether gets sent to you know Uni, and then Uni swaps it to some long tail asset or to Bitcoin or to Litecoin or Doge or or Avalanche, I don't know, like whatever, like, you know, the, the kind of the whole thing opens up at that point. 
And I think that's a thing that I think both Sonny and I probably agree with each other of like that one of the goals of what we're trying to accomplish in the space being a cross-chain DEX is to kind of create this feeling sense that even though these chains are all isolated from each other, they're independent entities that don't really have a direct relationship with any other chain for the most part. We want to create this kind of world where, um, you know, in a transition or it just makes it feel like it's all one ecosystem even though it's separate ecosystems in reality. And so I think we, both Sonny and I are, and, and the, the Thorchain team are like are pushing for this concept of to make this whole system um, feel uh, feel like one system instead of separated countries. We'll get there one step at a time. It, it takes a while to get these integrations up. Right now, Adam is on StageNet, so... I guess it could be expected within you know, hopefully a week or two, just once uh, you know once more testing has been done. But you can swap uh, with Adam right now on on StageNet if anyone wants to test. So uh, the yep. integration is very very close, right around the corner. Then hopefully we can get some great uh, aggregation partners in there to really drive volume through the Atom pool to drive yield into people who want to pool their Atom into the ThorChain pool with Rune, and then also just provide that as a service to people who want to you know swap in and out of the Cosmos ecosystem. It's going to be great. Yeah. And next up after Cosmos, uh, after uh, Adam is uh, AVAX, which is like, I think our first low gas fee EVM chain that we're looking to integrate with. That's been in works for a while. Uh, it's kind of ongoing. We are in, in kind of talking to at least one uh, DEX on, in that ecosystem that wants to get integrated into ThorChain directly. So within there, now you can swap in and out of Bitcoin and you know other, other assets and other chains. And like that just makes their UI look like a lot more powerful because you can just in a single transaction get access to any asset that you want more or less um which we're hoping to do that with pretty much you know any kind of smart chains we connect with is just kind of integrate with a bunch of uh dexes and deck aggregators to kind of connect every dex to every dex so that every dex has a- access to every asset on every ecosystem in a single transaction without having to you know own seven different wallets and you know go through like these that are rug pulled underneath you and all the kind of mayhem that we've seen before yeah, so AVAX is currently not on StageNet. That will probably that'll probably be on StageNet within the same time frame that Osmo will be launched on ChaosNet, most likely. Yeah. But you said the, you said Osmo. I think you mean Adam, but yeah. uh, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, AVAX, AVAX. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, AVAX will is take a little bit longer because that needs its own external audit as well because that's a completely new uh, chain connection. So that'll take a little bit longer, but uh, you know we're hoping to uh, you know have a big launch for that with a with a great launch partner and. A uh, great aggregator already lined up off the gate. Yeah, I think that aggregator is where this stuff like gets really exciting and just like fulfills the vision of anything to anything. And like, of course, we get in the weeds on on these spaces and stuff like that. People that are tuning in, but for the for the average user, you know, this is really about like ab- abstracting all those things away and just going to going to a dex, like you know, pick your favorite one, uh, hopefully, and you know, have access to native Bitcoin, have access to whatever. Uh, Cosmos ecosystem, IBC asset, whatever, AVAX ecosystem, whatever ERC-20, you know, and just be able to swap anything to anything in your own wallet, non-custodial. So that's the vision that gets me really, really pumped up. And it's uh, great to great to hear all the progress. I mean, it feels like in the next, you know, c- coming couple of months, like we're really going to start to see that vision uh, really play out beyond just some some core L1 assets. So really exciting. Yeah, yeah and that, that will hopefully make it be this kind of corridor in the in the greater ecosystem like ever the people are moving between chains they actually um Saigon's not here anymore but he has a really good analogy for it um that he said in his talk on the cross expo is that like if you look at uniswap or like sushi or one of those things 
Um, you're moving around within a particular ecosystem, between a particular chain, which is kind of like having a driver's license to get like individual, like between states within a country, right? Like, like to get from Florida to Georgia. But if you go across the chain, you need a passport. So like ThorChain in effect is that you know kind of passport system, right? Which is really a really kind of interesting way of phrasing it to help understand the concept. Of it. And so you'll be able to get a you know, driver's license and then you know drive to the airport, get your passport to go to another country, and then once you're there, you can go to any other state that country, right? Like it's almost like uh, uh, ThorChain is the air- airplane, and you know uh, Dexas local to a particular ecosystem are the like Ubers that you call to get to the airport, and you call from there to whatever your final destination is. It's kind of an interesting way kind of phrase analogy to, to phrase it in. And by doing so, like blockchain becomes this really super important and critical infrastructure for the greater, uh, for like the entire ecosystem, not just for Thorchain's own ecosystem, but like for the Ethereum ecosystem and for the Bitcoin ecosystem, for the Doge and the you know, Atom and whatever else, like it becomes this critical, you know, fundamental infrastructure that, that you can't imagine a world without it, you know, yeah, it's still the only infrastructure that allows cross-chain swaps with Bitcoin and other UTXO chains, things that are not just EVM. It seems like everyone nowadays is trying the, uh, the EVM multi-chain route and saying that, like, oh my god, this is the, this is the best thing ever. We, we can swap between any single EVM chain. We're, we're multi-chain. Like, this is, this is the end of, of multi-chain. Solved it. But uh, yeah, it, seems, it seems a lot of people have forgotten about uh, the UTXOs, which are, you know, Obviously, Bitcoin, the behemoth in the room that everyone just somehow seems to forget about. But, you know, Thor yeah, is designed from the start. If, if you sum up, like, all the EVM chains together and they're, like, market cap, it's, like, it's like I don't know, maybe 30% or 40, 35% of liquidity of crypto. Like, Bitcoin itself is, you know, close to the center. 60% of the hell that let's dominance, like I said, like, just to, to ignore the most important asset, the most liquid asset, the most in-demand asset, the, the, the most, like, safest asset or, like, off risk-off asset in the space is, you know, it's just short, short-sighted. And, and to call wrap Bitcoin the same as Bitcoin is obviously being uh, misleading at best. Yeah, Chad, I like what you've you've said a few times on previous spaces is, like, in these discussions you've had, you've, you've asked, like, oh, like, well, why not, like, like why, why aren't you integrating native bitcoin and like the answer is just like oh well that's that's really hard <laughs> well yeah yeah it's like honestly if if thorchain like the team behind thorchain wanted to build an EVM EVM bridge like we could have accomplished that year like three years ago like that wasn't really um it's relatively speaking it's very it's a lot not that it's easy but it's a lot simpler than what we're trying to accomplish here by, by, by a significant margin we could have launched that years and years ago but we didn't do that because we, we stayed focused on like a holistic solution to this cross-chain problem. And we didn't want to ignore the most important asset of all, which is obviously Bitcoin. And so like we want to be chaining also. We want to put as little requirement as possible on a chain to integrate with Thorchain. And like right now that that requirement is like, oh, you know, can you have a memo in your transfer field, which is extremely common? And oh, can we generate private keys? Well, okay, like these kind of simple and basic things, not so much like, oh, what version of solidity you're running <laughs> or something like this. What does just make so many assumptions and just now we, we try to keep it as small as possible. Even like even the fact that we can integrate with Monero or or, or, or like an, a crypto chain with Monero, that by itself is just like shocking, just because it's such a difficult chain in so many ways and it's so complex and um, challenging. And, and the fact that we're capable of doing that is like that is huge to me. Like to me, Monero is the most most private focused chain out there, and it's like it doesn't privacy play the most effectively. And to be able to move in and out of that in a decentralized way without being KYC'd is like if you're trying to accomplish the goal to be a decentralized private coin, you can't do that by asking like, you know, 
Uncle Brian Armstrong over at Coinbase to get in out of it. That just fundamentally kind of breaks the whole model to some degree. And the same thing with Coinbase, like even if you're not looking for privacy, you're just looking for decentralization, um, being able to move in and out of it in a way that doesn't require KYC or, or ask permission is like critically important to achieve the goal that Bitcoin's trying to achieve for itself, right? Like, I, I can't argue, I can argue all day with some Bitcoin maxi of why it needs chain because be the world's most decentralized coin, but then require centralized entities to get in and out of it. That just fundamentally just breaks the whole point of it. Not the whole point of it, but like a significant part of it of like, hey, it's decentralized, but I have to ask Brian Armstrong to get in and out of it. Like that's just so, uh, that, that logic is just, you know, wraps upon itself like a pretzel. <laughs> Or deposit your funds to like trailer and hope that uh, your your funds aren't just irreversibly lost forever. <laughs> well, yeah, trade trade ogre is kind of a funny one because it's just like the same. No KYC, but probably needs to be KYC. And probably will go to jail at some point. <laughs> like that, just like I would I wouldn't put my funds in trade ogre for to be for any length of time and be very careful, especially large amounts of funds. But. I mean, I, I, try, I don't put much funds into any, any, you know, thing. Like I, I even, I had a little bit of funds in like BlockFi until recently. I just like, you know what? I'm just going to pull it out. And just because you never know what's going to happen in the CFI, the CFI, like it doesn't really serve a lot of purpose or value just by holding in Coinbase or BlockFi or any of these services. It's like, you're not really getting much of a yield or, or anything. And so it just, it just adds risk without reward. So just logically speaking, just like, just get out of those things, pull out. Unless you're actively trading or you're doing a loan with BlockFi or something of this nature, but like, if you're not, then just get your money out. You don't want three AC or Celsius shit to be a way for you to lose money. So, uh, in other news, in in Thorchain, it seems that Terra is finally Ragnarok and and gone. So it looks like those pools are uh, completely destroyed now. All the LPs have uh, like were automatically refunded the yep. remainder of their positions. So it seems that the the Terra debacle is finally behind us. Yeah, I think for I think until until people want to you know maybe people want to add Terra two in the network. I don't know if that's going to be a thing or not a thing, but uh, for now I think we're we're done with Terra as a community until people feel differently about Terra two. Yeah, it's kind of nice to finally put like <laughs> some closure to it after after such a crazy uh, month. But it looks like uh, I mean I wasn't super on top of like any of the technical side or anything, but it seems like everything went super smooth with like the new because that was like needed to be coded from scratch basically, right? Like there wasn't. Yeah, like that—that that wasn't a thing that Thorchain could just have done prior, right? To just like Ragnarok a pool like that. So it seems like everything went across pretty well, from at least from from my standpoint. Yeah, I mean, we had the code in there before, uh, but it was never really tested, and it was never really like like it was like ninety five percent done. But we never never we we had it set up for like Ragnaroking an entire chain before, like in single chain case net, just because we wanted to Ragnarok single chain case net. But then, like, we didn't think that we were going to have to Ragnarok any pools or chains in, in multi chain. Like, we just didn't see that as a reasonable, realistic outcome in the next couple of years, which obviously that was wrong because like, Terra, you know, obviously collapsed. But, like, we just figured, well, we're adding like the, the, the main chains, like, you know, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash and Ethereum, like, those things aren't dying and they're going to remain economically, you know, significant for probably forever for the most part. Yeah, definitely an unexpected thing because uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of the only time it really needs to be used in the next, who knows, five years or something like that. But, I mean, it, it all depends. Like, I think the problem that we're going to have as a community is help as like defining which change we want to add to the future. And so like part of it, like if you're speaking objectively, the chain probably like for change should not add any chains that are like younger than two years old or have, haven't gone through like at least a bull and a bear cycle just to prove their they're not like, you know, a flavor of the, of the cycle in a sense, like a flavor of the week, flavor of the cycle. And so like, 
you know, but that, but the counter, but like next bit, bull cycle can be some new game about like the Terra equivalent or the Solana equivalent or like whatever it is that just kind of goes from, you know, 10 cents to like hundred dollars or something crazy in a relatively short period of time. And then everybody's going to be like, Oh, you have to add this thing. It's going to be, it's here forever. It's going to be the biggest thing ever. Like everybody's very bullish on it. All the, all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, something happens like same thing with like own and like other, other projects that start off with a huge kind of explosion and you get like these diehard people behind it. And people are saying it's going to be the future, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, that's not just, you know, that's why you have to wait like at least one bear and bull cycle to kind of really let the market decide in the long term, long term, like of the long term viability of any given. Yeah, even then, like, I still feel like the Terra is kind of unique. Like something like Ohm is like still, you know, like, yeah, the price went down, but it didn't like literally, uh, you know, implode to actual zero and like some kind of catastrophe. Whereas like the Terra, like, so mo- most chains would probably like, yeah, maybe they kind of lose their hype, um, but they probably wouldn't need to be like extracted out uh, in this kind of kind of like apocalyptic scenario that we just went through probably a rare situation yeah 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 that's that's to be fair that's that's i mean terror is obviously the most extreme example right but yeah it's just something for the for the community and the node operators to like really kind of think about when they're deciding what change to add and like and it's okay to make mistakes too by the way like if you had a chain and it doesn't work out then that's fine too like it hurt us as a project very much at all and so it just you know centralized exchanges do the same thing where they add new some new token or some new thing and then to zero like eventually and but that's okay we don't we're not trying to pick like winners and losers per se you know we're just not trying to like spend months trying to add, add a new chain only to have it collapse two months later or whatever it is yeah it's back to the chain agnostic you know what's economically significant what does the community want what's going to add the most value be the most important um i know one of the new adr processes is around this stuff too uh maybe pluto will be around i don't know next week or the week after to because we had those audio issues last time, but maybe he can go over that stuff um, and and how like the chain adding and removing processes are going to be kind of dialed in. Yeah, having a more formalized process for like making changes, um, kind of like what BIP is for Bitcoin or EPIP is for Ethereum. I think it's something we've been talking about in the project for like even before it launched. Like we always kind of talk about it. We, at the time we called it torching improvement protocol, but. It makes sense to have that as, as you go further down the maturity line, and, and fortunately becomes more big, and you know, and gets kind of, it's eventually gonna, it's gonna move slower in terms of its ability to like make changes and, and improvements, and you're gonna be gonna get bigger and heavier and more mature. But you want to have that to some degree, right? You want to have that kind of like more stringent. You don't want to be like running by the seat of your pants, you know, on a ten or fifty billion dollar project. You want to be slow and deliberate. Uh, which is frustrating for me because I'm like, I'm like, I'm the, I'm a, you know, run fast and, you know, like shit code kind of, kind of guy. And so like my skill set's more valuable in the beginning of our project than it is kind of at that stage where it's just trying to solidify and have a formal process and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but it's what the project needs to be fair. Yeah. And hopefully this new ADR process can just make things more transparent for everybody. So everyone basically there's some kind of discussion forum to discuss the, the, the pros and cons of any kind of, uh, you change the architecture of the chain. That's what the ADR is meant for. So that includes like chain additions or uh, like you know new features. So four five's coming up. Yeah, we're, we're going to do a vote on that at some point. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in a month or two or whatever the hell the number is. Go like. Yeah, like an ADR for uh, Thorfi is like exactly what the the process is for to lay everything out there and then uh, to have to be the, the no side whether that's something that they're interested in, like whether that's code that they're interested in running or code that's not that they're not interested in running, whether they think that'll be detrimental to the network or you know positive to the network or have drawbacks, then everyone can actually vote on whether that thing would be uh, implemented or not. So 
yeah, hopefully the, the new process will work out. It's still, it's still being, you know, we're still experimenting with it and trying to get it to where it needs to be. But, uh, you know, er- early stages for, uh, I guess, the, the mainnet launch, which is soon. Yes, I hope. Yeah, I'm still waiting for a, a partner to, be, to get, get their ducks in a row. They tell me that it's, you know, it's soon. You know, I have no control over that. I'm just kind of waiting for them to give me the thumbs up or whatever, which I'm hoping to be in a week. But you know it's what it is, and I'm just waiting for them. Hmm. Very interesting because we we have seen the the Binance upgrade take us, uh, which was long awaited. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's upgrading their their bet two to native room, correct? That's what they're like. Yeah, I think they have like thirty million room, but they're not actually listing native room yet on their exchange. Oh, right? uh, or, or did they already do it? Or did I, I miss that that? part of it i i thought they did it i mean i, I don't use it um but I, i'm pretty sure it was i thought it was done yeah oh i could be wrong maybe it happened and i didn't even wasn't even aware of it <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be i could be wrong i, I don't i don't use it so, uh, so, anymore but someone look it up um now i'm curious not to go look it up uh how do i use it how do i use a computer <laughs> well first turn on your vpn <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly sure it's they're on they're on native now. If anyone has confirmation, you can just request to come up. But yeah, I'm I, I think positive. it is. If not, then it, it will be integrated very soon. Like uh, we saw the other day that they were actually upgrading them with the, the upgrade alerts for huge amounts of, of runes, and so it looks like their supply is uh, partially, if not fully, upgraded already. Although I'm not sure, you know, they are allowing withdrawals and deposits right now. That's a I guess that's another question. Yeah, I'm just googling to find out. I'll try to pull it up too as as we keep. Going here. Uh, let's see this. Here's on. So, Binance has completed a swap of Beptooth uh, Thorchain. Binance completed the mainnet swap of Beptooth Thorchain Rune. The conversion to mainnet Rune, which token was conducted at a ratio one to one, deposits and withdrawals for mainnet Rune are now open. Please note the withdrawals for Beptooth Rune tokens will be available. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, do not deposit Beptooth Rune. Please find your assigned Rune deposit. Yeah, I guess it is. Yep. You now deposit native Rune. Yep. So I guess I guess that's it. Oh. I thought yeah, it was the conversion of the, co- the conversion of the coin, the coin, but not the swapping it. Well, LFG. And I think I believe KuCoin announced they would be. I don't think that one's taking place. From uh, is that right? Does, do you guys know? I, I'm not actually 100 percent sure about that. I posted that it was, but I think that it might not be. I think it was just that uh, Rune USDC or T new, new pairing. I don't. I don't know if they've actually announced anything yet for KuCoin. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't actually have a Binance. Uh, dot com account because I'm American, so they don't let me in there. So I can't actually like look for the you know thing. But but yeah, it looks like it's it's, uh, it's live. So I guess we're basically you know probably main that and you know this week or next week. Well, it's just yeah, amazing. Yeah, should be next week. Your Asian's going to come up here for a second. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Asian? Some of that like sex stuff. Um, I was talking to the guys from Hobie and KuCoin, and they were also at cross chain, and they were looking to uh, list native rune. So just a little bit of alpha there. Yeah, man, that's great. More the more listing, I guess, the better in some ways. The only risk, though, for this is that um, we always want to maintain that that runes like swap volume is predominantly on on our own exchange. So having having a bunch of different um, suckers are, are are a good thing, but we don't want a place where I mean, this is all in the economic white paper. If you guys read it, uh, that was written like a couple of years ago. But we want to make sure that rune maintain the trade volume. Of, of room, like the most of the, the kind of weight behind the trade volume is our own net, in our own chain, our own, own network, which I think is naturally going to happen. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I think it'd be natural. But how? Like, are there? Do you have thoughts on like how you would influence that? Like, are there things that can kind of steer it in that direction if if needed? Or 
Um, not a lot we can do it in, ter- in terms of like steering it, or we could like we can message, you know, we can tell some 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 stages or ask them, request them to like to, to delist the token, I guess, in, in the more extreme scenarios. But but I think the the benefit of having something like this is that uh, it'll cause arbitrage to be able to arbitrage more efficiently, right? From like Bitcoin to Rune to other assets, and I think because of that, the trade volume will inherently or most likely be uh, uh, in Thorchain because if you're gonna if you see like a Bitcoin, if you trade Bitcoin to Ethereum as an arb- as an arb- opportunity because the Bitcoin price is, is you know high relative to where it should be, and the, and the Ethereum price is lower where it should be, you have an arbitrage opportunity there. And when you trade a hundred dollars of you know Bitcoin to get a hundred dollars of, of Ethereum, you're actually trading Rune twice. You're actually, you're actually increasing the, the trade volume of Rune by two x by two hundred dollars in this hypothetical. And so I think it's probably something. The DEX to, to Arbit, it's just going to create a lot of the, the, the volume to be most of the volume to be on the network itself. But I could be wrong. We'll see. Another benefit of having, uh, you know, native rune on centralized exchanges is just arbitrage. It makes it just will naturally t- trend towards higher volume as there's more, you know, price correctors. Basically, there's there's more markets to uh, as there's more markets to buy and sell rune on, even though they might not be as liquid as, uh, you know, Thorchain's pools itself. That's another uh, avenue to correct pool prices on Thorchain. So going along with uh, with mainnet switch, the the other big thing that's happening at mainnet besides you know just the actual uh, you know the, the, the flare around the upgrade itself, I guess, is uh, kill switch from uh, basically the, the the kill switch of ERC twenty and BEP two rune. So if anyone here does hold rune and it's not in a in a Thor one address, uh, you should definitely make sure you upgrade before the kill switch. Uh, gets turned on, which which won't be for a little bit because nodes need to vote on the, the start date and the end date for the kill switch. Basically, when the redemption stop stop being one to one and start you know ticking down by by the day until it gets to zero to one, you can't upgrade at all anymore without lo- losing all of your value. Uh, if you currently hold ERC twenty or BEP two rune, then uh, if you're listening to this now and you and you don't have your rune in a Thor one address, or if you're holding it on a centralized exchange, you should likely be okay. But it's still recommended that you. Uh, upgrade to native rune if you can. Sure. Uh, as it stands for right now, when we go through the process of like putting the kill switch to a vote by node operators, I think the the, the vote will be like, should we start it in a month when this like this thing starts, and then the duration of the thing is, is one year. So like after the first month, you get like you know eleven twelfths of the rune that you would be getting. And after like six months, you get half of the rune you'd be getting. And after 12 months, you get zero. And so like, it, it'll just kind of slowly kind of ramp down over the course of a year. Um, so people have had basically uh, over two years to swap their BEP2 or ERC20 rune into native rune, which is, you know, a long period of time and something we've been talking about for a long period of time and pushing for. It's the final kind of push to get people off of those assets. And so we can retire them and get rid of the kill switch, uh, the switch entirely. And like there only is one rune now, and it's just simpler, cleaner, you know, shedding off those old like that the alpha coin of BEP uh, two and the beta coin of ERC twenty, and then uh, having the real deal. So just to clarify, those are the two parameters that nodes will vote on: the how long until it starts, and then what the duration is. Correct. Yeah, they vote on the block height of which to start the process, or so just start to like start ramping down the the, the ratio between non-native to native rune. And then they vote on the number of blocks that it'll the duration would be. I think for I think what the team is probably going to be doing is like, oh, let's start at thirty days from now, and then the duration is one year. Although we could change it to be six months, or we could change it to be two years. Like, 
whatever the community wants to do is fine with me. Yeah, curious. Uh, I mean, yeah, that seems like about right. So I feel like people will probably mostly agree with that. But curious if people like feel dramatically different. Yeah, but you just know at the same time like people are going to get upset about it. Like at some point, six months from now, somebody's going to be like, "Oh, I didn't know I had to upgrade my ERC twenty rune or or whatever." But the funny thing is, like we've we've been like you know uh, grilled on Twitter about you know. Uh, malicious like NFT airdrops and this kind of thing where people get their runes kind of yanked from them and people like call for like oh let's let's upgrade the token to fix the bug blah 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 which wasn't a bug it was actually content the code of why that was done that way but um, we kind of did that we said oh yeah there's a new token it's called native room switch to it and then like people continue to hold the old asset and so it's like what more can we do yeah that does seem to be like really the only concern is just some people are inevitably going to be just like sitting on some erc20 or, or bet2 rune somewhere and just completely not paying attention but i don't know yeah. <laughs> yeah but we can't also at the same time we can't allow people who aren't paying attention to be the reason why we can't move forward in the project right the, the shed you know like it's, it's just kind of this weird balance of like well we don't want you know to piss anybody off the, the room holders and the part of the community and like we want to make sure they they're all good and all this kind of stuff but at the same time we can't just like infinitely you know sit on assets that are you know, counterproductive for the, the protocol. Like it's confused the three different rooms and which one's doing. And like it just creates complexity and like, you know, especially for newcomers into the space. We want to keep it clean, simple, shed the old beta stuff, move on to mainnet. For sure, makes sense. Should we move on to some questions? Yeah. Is there, is there anything else you want to talk about, Chad? The only thing I'm, I'm not, I want to talk about because I'm excited about it is this whole like yield bearing synthetics concept. Um, I think this is what I'm like what I'm gunning for these days. Uh, now that Thorfi has been kind of like hung up for a while, um, this is big uh, in many ways. It's even actually, technically it's actually big for Thorfi as well. By the way, I don't think people realize that, that yet, but we, we can come back to that part another, another time. But um, so, what it basically means for people who don't know, yield bearing sense gives the ability for people to add liquidity on the asset side to any pool without taking on the response the the price risk of the rune asset, like without selling half their Bitcoin into rune and then taking on that price exposure. Um, we found it in talking to like large institutions, especially that they, you know, like take Celsius, for example, I'll use maybe they have because they're, they're struggling at the moment, but uh, um, you know, they, people give them Bitcoin and they're like, Hey, we will, we'll give you, you know, 0.1% yield or something like this on your Bitcoin. But then like, how do they actually get yield? Like what are the actual avenues to do so? Uh, and I didn't want to use Thorchain to, be, to begin with um, because I didn't want to sell off half the Bitcoin to get price risk for their for their customers and their users, which makes complete sense. Like, I, you know, I can't blame them for that. I tell you, I probably would think the same thing if I were them. And so um, finding a way that, that assets can be added um, in a way that doesn't allow them risk to the rune asset was became kind of like an important thing. Um, originally, we were going to do it without this, and they were just going to say, "Okay, that, well, the, t- the treasury will will give mo- um, uh, Celsius a loan from from the treasury of like some number of rune, and then they provide the rune side and the Bitcoin side, but they only only really kind of like they're not selling half their Bitcoin into rune at that point, so the risk is significantly less for them. Uh, but they have to give the like the, the rune back at the end of the you know contract or whatever it is, and that became really difficult because it required like contracts and like signing things and like twelve year agreement." And then also um, setting up like multi sigs for them for Rune, but they then they don't they don't want to do that. They don't use that. They want to use Fireblocks as like asset management. And then we talk about Fireblocks and get Fireblocks to integrate with Rune. It just became like a bunch of work and, and difficulty. But then once we figured out a way to do it to do this without involving the treasury or loans or any of this kind of like horseshit, you can just do it directly on chain instantaneously. 
uh, Fireblocks already, uh, you know, supports Bitcoin, so they can integrate with Fireblocks, integrate with Thorchain without needing to actually integrate the Rune asset, which is really uh, a big driver here to getting like institutional investment into the network. So uh, I can see what what might happen from this is just like the pools will get very deep very fast once this feature is released, and you know, big whales can jump in and get some Bitcoin yield more than zero point one percent APY that BlockFi might be prom- promising them. Right, so I can see that becoming a huge driver to to the the pool depth of the network, which is critically important for the success of this network. Which then finally, like larger swaps to make more sense, which hopefully will drive a lot more volume. Um, right. And then all kinds of all kind of comes together, and we kind of see it all play out. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, getting the, the pools deeper just allows for larger trades with low, lower fees, which is just you know better for everybody. Um, and yeah, the LPs will, will make good money from that. The users will see more trade volume. Also, then, then the next thing after that will be like, well, how do we scale the bond side again? Like, it's, it's like as soon as you solve one of these problems of volume, uh, pool depth, and bond size, as soon as you solve one of those, like, there's something else that's like lagging behind that you have to like figure out a way to improve that. And then there's something else lagging behind. You just like kind of just like round robin circle uh, amongst these three different things, which is constantly being worked on by. Uh, you know, the team, the community. Question actually on the yield bearing sense. I saw a tweet from you, Chad, um, and this might be kind of in the weeds, but I could use, we could all use the hit of excitement here. <laughs> so you said, you said once yield bearing sense are adopted, there will always be space to mint more sense unless pools are full. How, yeah. what's going on with that? I that, that doesn't intuitively make, make sense. So yeah, it's counterintuitive. There's so many things with this part of this, there's counterintuitive if you look at the first fixed value. Um, so this is, how, this, this is how that works. So there's a cap on sense on the synth utilization, right? And right now it's up to 15%. So you want to get to 15%, the network won't allow you to, to mint more synths on the network. Right? But with this feature, the reserve is utilized to deploy capital, deploy rune into the pools to reduce the synth utilization percent. So you hit 15% or close to 15%, the network just starts to bleed rune into the pools, like from the reserve, right? And by adding more and more rune to the pools, you're inherently driving down the utilization away from 15%, like back towards 10%. And we'll add, you know, more it gets back at 13%. And then the reserve starts putting more room into the, into the pool, which pushes it back down to 10%. And so like, as soon as people are minting since the reserve is kicking in to like, to like drive down the utilization percentage, which means that as an LP, you're not, you're not taking on any more risk. Like you're not, the, your leverage position on rune is not increasing because the, the reserve is like pushing down that utilization percentage and de-risking the LPs by being LP itself. It's like being like kind of bodyguard, sort of bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and, and taking more and more of the kind of like brunt, brunt force of anything that happens on the network, you as a, you know, as an LP. And so like it can scale to pretty much until the pools are actually full, which is when the reserves stops putting room into the, into the network when the pools are full. Like obviously it can't do so because it can't break economic security. And so it just like stops at that point and then we hit the cap and that's when you can't get any higher than that. But as long as the pools are not full, the network will constantly apply downward pressure on the synth, the synth utilization to always create more space for ARBs to ARB or for people to, you know, deposit more Bitcoin to the network to get a yield on it. Awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, it makes sense. So yeah, yeah it's not it's not like continuing to leverage the existing LPs. Rather this way, it's just kind of like scaling up the depth Early, uh, like today. So. Right, and the, the other thing that people like haven't really quite figured out yet about the design is that like if um, if you're in a place where uh, an LP withdraws and the synth utilization um, uh, decreases, the network may deploy 
or statistical increases, excuse me, the network will deploy more rune into the network, into the into the pool. And so like you effectively have the reserves becoming a protocol owned liquidity. And so when LPs decide to leave because it's a bear cycle or like whatever, the reserve, you know, doesn't care about bear cycles. The reserve doesn't care about bull cycles. The reserve just is a is just like intensely diamond hand motherfucker that just is always going to deploy more capital to the pools because it just has a long term like it's not looking for yield in the next three months like LP might be looking for. It's looking for supporting the network for the like years, decades. That's like the time frame that the, the reserves are kind of thinking in. And so like even if people start leaving the network as like LPs might do it in a bear cycle, the reserve kind of kicks in. It starts deploying more capital, right? Yeah, that's really cool because, like, yeah, in, a, in a bear cycle, people would still want yield on just their Bitcoin. They, they would still be happy to probably take the single sided, um, but they might not want the LP exposure. But then, if the reserve can take that side, then you still maintain the depth. You still have like good potential for swaps, and everything can kind of still uh, go on and work. With the with like the latest thoughts on on single sided, um, would there still be that um, that design where there would be single sided rune as well, and the reserve kicks an after point, or is no, it towards in this design, rune is not used. You can't do single-sided rune. You can only do a single-sided asset. So you can do Bitcoin, Ethereum, and, and like, you know, Doge or whatever. But like, you can't do rune. And there's a, there's some reasons for that. Like, um, like if you think about it logically, the amount of people that want, or the amount of dollars, right, in, in dollar value of the amount of like Bitcoiners who want to earn more Bitcoin is far and away larger than the amount of people who want to earn rune on their rune. Like, if you think, think about it in that kind of context, and so. If you have those people deploying their rune to the pool side, but not the bond side, well, then you're, you're kind of in like a slightly inefficient kind of like like uh, implementation here, right? Because you want the security to be as deep as possible, as much rune as you can possibly get on the security side and the bond side to scale that up as high as possible. Then allow the, you know, the Bitcoiners and the, you know, ETH, Max ETH, whatever, to deploy their F or their, their, their ETH, whatever, in their, um, their BDC. And so, like, if you, if you have, you know, half of people doing, uh, the rune holders doing bond and half of them are doing pool, then you, you're not quite as efficient in terms of, like, how deep the pools can get. So, I think what, what I'm trying to think about or, or work my way towards is, um, is forgetting about rune in the pool side for the most part. And, f- and thinking about Rune as an asset that you that you provide security on. And we came up with an idea how to do this to scale security in a cheaper way. And that is that like um, this new concept of light nodes where I call them, I call them passive nodes in, in the uh, GitLab that I wrote up. But basically, like, you can run a, a non-validator node. Like you're not contributing to consensus. You're contributing just to the Asgards. You're like a member of signing as you're not part of the actual consensus that is actually driving new blocks to be committed on blockchain. And with that, there's no actual, there doesn't have to be any minimums on the amount of rune required to run one of these like passive nodes. Theoretically, you could do like 10 rune. It probably wouldn't actually work out very well because the cost of running infrastructure, you wouldn't generate enough yield that would make a profit. But there's no lower cap that sees other than uh, some economic security aspects, which have to be uh, developed. But like, by doing so, you've like you could have like a fifty thousand k room, you know, uh, passive node, and you can still do bond providers. So you and like you know six of your friends or something like this can like come together to run one of these passive nodes to generate enough yield, you know, to be able to like get room in your room, uh, and then also you have your like operational costs of running infrastructure. Now, is the infrastructure right now is like the same for structures as a full validator. It requires all those things just for, for economic security, unless we can figure out a way around that, which we're still kind of brainstorming on. 
how to do that with all, all the daemons and all that kind of stuff. But that might be the thing to do um, to make uh, make it more available for more people to to jump into a you know a a passive node, or maybe like um, we can do like passive nodes of service because now that like we don't have Yugoslav bolts anymore in the network, and somebody who's running a, a passive node doesn't have an ability to rug pull. Right, like on the, like as, as they did originally uh, when we had Yugoslav vaults, like they had an ability to rug pull their users and steal the money and then walk away and profit and left, you know, with all your room gone. But now that there's no more Yugoslav vaults in the network anymore, we removed them like a week ago, two weeks ago. They weren't needed anymore. Um, it's a more efficient network. Uh, uh, now a passive node or about it, if that matter, can't really rug pull. This needs to pull, right? And so the only way that you can rug pull is if, is if you have. You know, uh, like you're running 13 or whatever the hell the number is, uh, like 14, 15 nodes, whatever the hell the number is, um, of uh, of a particular Asgard, which is really hard to do because it's somewhat randomly uh, selective and, and all that kind of stuff. So you have to run like probably 30 or 40, 50 nodes to do it. And then it may be possible at that point, but that's extremely difficult and expensive to do. So like it becomes a lot more practical for sure. So um my focus is right now getting the Zealbird Synx thing going and launch that hopefully in the next month or so. Um, once that's launched, we'll see the pools get real deep real fast. Then we're going to run into another problem of the security of the, on, the, on the bond side. It's not going to be you know high enough. It's going to be demand. The yield is going to be the incentive pendulum is going to be swung to the to the node operators and away from the uh, P's and the yield bearing synthetic people. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's going to be a push to add more bond on the bond side. And that's why I think I want to start working on this passive note concept. It's great. Uh, look forward to seeing this. Uh, hopefully you put out a ADR or something like that before, uh, you know, these features, uh, you know, are, are fully developed just so people can discuss these, but you sound like, uh, you know, well, promising developments, uh, I hope in Torchain's future. The single side oh, sure. yield, as we all know, is like the, the, the holy grail of all of crypto products, Never mind DeFi products. So yeah, yeah, for sure. It is. It's a game changer for us, you know, for sure. Sweet. I brought up uh, Arno and SpinZone. Uh, if anyone else has questions about anything, uh, you can just raise your hands. We'll, we'll start with SpinZone. He's been waiting for a while. Hello. Um, thank you for bringing me up. Uh, really fascinating conversation. My question is about when you mentioned um, and the network starts adding. Well, if you start reaching the limit, the network starts adding uh, rune from the reserve. My question is, um, would the network basically be taking on extra risk? Uh, I guess the reserve taking out extra risk. Um, what are the parameters? Like, what, what's the safety of that? And then if the network is adding room to the pools, um, would the network be uh, receiving shares and would it be receiving um, a portion of the, the uh, proceeds, basically? Would it be um, kind of competitor to LPs at that point? Uh, yeah, so it would be uh, the network itself, the reserve itself would become an LP. And so because of that, it, it buys a percentage of the pool and it gets whatever yield it generates from that uh, concept. Uh, so yeah, so it'll generate a revenue and that'll all go back to the reserve, which in the long term, the, the reserve is just, you know, secreting ruin into the, into the pools anyway, into to the, to the nodes and all this kind of stuff. So it, it has another source of income to maintain that the, the network can always secrete rune, right? And block rewards because it's just constantly generating a revenue as well. So some percentage of that uh, comes back to itself for providing liquidity. 
Um, yeah. So the other question as well, like, what about risk to the network? Um, well, after what you just said, I'm actually worried of the opposite. Maybe what about monopolization uh, of the pools by the network? In that case, well, I, I, there's a part of me that hopes that happens. Like that's a and that's a possibility. Like an outcome from this concept is that like just the LPs just leave, and all that's left is basically the the reserve and a bunch of yield bearing synthetics. And if that happens, then we're in a better scenario, I think, in my opinion, just because like the one thing we did learn from that was useful and valuable from you know from the own uh, design was that how useful protocol owned liquidity is. And the reserve becomes purple and liquidity that like that just always hodls. They never sell it. It's not trying to, to maximize its bow water. It just it just hodls the hell out of the pools. And so that creates that just maintains that even in bear markets, the the pools become um um just maintains its, its depth in a sense. And if you want to uh, be an LP, you can. No one's gonna stop you. Uh or if you want to get like a loan, you can still do that. We end up going with the Thorify route, which is We'll talk more about that another day. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, right? Like it's like a, like mercenary capital is, is always problematic, right? Like we saw this happen with Sushi and Uni. Like when Sushi just came out, Uni got like vampire attacked by Sushi. They lost all their you know pool depth, which is you know bad for obviously for Sushi for, for Uni rather. Um, and we don't want to see that, right? So we want to have more reliable capital. We want the pools to maintain their depths, like even in bear markets or or, or, or price times where the room prices getting hit hit hard right relative relative to markets like we want diamond hands to be in the in the pools to to support the um the chain ecosystem i see interesting yeah it's it's definitely worth the thought i'm thinking of all the possibilities of maybe you know the 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 reserve could scare away um uh, LPs, or maybe actually LPs coming in would force the reserve to retract its positions. Um, I'm also wondering, like usually with Rune, you have to typically have dual side pool. So if the LPs pulled out their other side and there's base, I mean, this is like obviously a very extreme scenario, but what if ultimately everybody left and there's only Rune in the pools? Would that work? Well, there would never only be Rune in the pools. Arbitrage will always ensure that's true. Right. So like even, even if all the LPs leave, the pools will effectively remain the same. Because as LPs are leaving, the reserve steps in steps in while they're you know to replace their position more or less, right? And and who will own the other like let's say Bitcoin room pool? LPs leave, they take their Bitcoin. With this, is the network going to own Bitcoin at that point? Yeah, the network, the, the reserve itself will, will have will be effectively price exposed to Bitcoin and price exposed to Ethereum and price exposed to to Doge and all these things. Effectively, it's like it's investing into like an ETF. You can think of it that way. That the network is now, you know, long on room, but it's just it's long on crypto in general. It's just it's just acquiring, you know, more or less all the gas ads, the primary asset per chain, and it's just kind of like taking a long term um, position on crypto in general. Thank you. I'll be marinating on this for a little bit. I appreciate um, you answering my questions. You guys are awesome. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Arno. Uh, spin zone. You there? Yeah, how are you? How, how you doing, guys? Good. Just had uh, two quick things. First is just a comment on um, centralized exchanges. And uh, I wrote that. My phone was ringing in the background. Um, I think that the, at least in my in my in my case, um, I've pounded the table on Rune to so many people. Unfortunately, they're not technical enough. Um, so I've had to obtain originally the ERC twenty Rune through you know Uniswap or whatever. Um, so I think that being on the centralized exchanges is going to be great for adoption because you can just, you know, hey, people can understand where ThorChain's going. They can understand, you know, whatever. It just, it's an easy way to onboard them. And then I think the the entire, 
what will ultimately be uh, yield farming, forfi, staking, single-sided, et cetera, is going to what going to drag those people that are adopted into the system, believe in the coin, eventually to use, you know, Forswap to interact just like they've bought in coins on Coinbase or Gemini, and they use Uniswap. Um, so I think the more attractive the features and the yielding gets on the platform and, and the more technical uh, people that can't unfortunately use Uniswap or Forswap yet, as they get more technical or the aggregators get easier to use, I think that's where a lot of the swapping and the pooling and the yielding and all that great stuff is, is going to bring them over to the platform. So I think the sexes you know, are a good thing because they're going to bring a lot of people that just normally uh, aren't comfortable with software or hardware wallets. They just don't understand the whole swapping. They don't know how to get enough gas in there for ERC-20 to swap. And they just get frustrated and they say, you know, I'm not going to buy it. Uh, and then once they're in it, as things get easier to use, they become more educated. That's when they'll come over to the platform, I think, uh, to get yield, just like they, again, they did with Bitcoin and Ethereum on BlockFi or Lendon or some of the other places where they just moved off of uh, one exchange to to another uh, to take advantage of, of again, yield. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to say that I think there's a benefit to the to the centralized exchange to at least adoption in the early stages of, of kind of the non-technical people, which I think for the most part in crypto, there's more of them than there are of us at this point. Um, and I think it's just healthy to get them into the system and then they'll participate as they feel more comfortable. So I just wanted to kind of comment on some of the thoughts that were there. And then I think lastly would be um, the kill switch. Um, and I'm just going to run this by you guys for your thoughts because I, I don't know the entire. As uh, centralized exchanges, et cetera, um, they're going to kill out, I would assume, the ERC-20 as they convert to native like Binance. Is that true? Sorry, who's going to kill the ERC-20? Well, is it, like Binance just switched over to, to native room. So they're not going to have any um, rune anymore, right? Correct. Okay. So my thought was, if as the exchanges kind of kill off um, and it's not supported, is it still a problem if you have hypothetically some of these latecomers? Of course, I'm not going to be one of them. I've already converted to native a while ago, but say these latecomers, you want to avoid, you know, some of the headache. Isn't it possible just, just to allow them to swap one for one, you know, the wallet will support ERC or BEP and, you know, let's just say they're eight months late to the party. They have to use door swap ultimately to, to upgrade their, their room. Would that be a problem? Uh, it'd be a problem in the context that, like, if they're eight months late, yeah. they'll get it won't be one to one. It'll be like point two to one. Or one yeah, to no, two I get, I get the idea of the kill switch. I'm saying in a in a perfect world, hypothetically, you guys said, look, uh, there's not going to be support for ERC twenty or BEP rune anymore. The exchanges are converting as they exchange over to the to the native rune. Um, hypothetically, you don't. Let's just say we didn't have a you didn't have a kill switch, and they transfer to, you know, full wallet or next day or whatever, uh, a year from now, is, is it still, you know, impossible to have that mechanism for them to just, you know, burn off their, their BEP or their ERC-20 and get a native rune token? No, it's not impossible. The, the question is whether or not we want to, you know, how, how aggressive do we want to be as a, as a project to get people to get off of their ERC-20 or off of the BEP2 onto mainnet, right? right? So, like, we can, we can, we can leave the, the switch, you know, running for the next hundred years hypothetically speaking, and people can try to one any given moment. Uh, the reason why we, uh, I, I can advocate against that is one, getting rid of the switch code is, is just, you know, uh, one less thing and one less part of the code base, one like slightly less uh, service area for the code base and complexity. Um, and, and two, we don't want to have, you know, people do get confused and like buy a fake asset that is not fake, fake asset, but like a, a, you know, old that's no longer relevant anymore. And then be confused and like, 
think they have one, they don't have it, and just creates uh, a bad scenario in, in the long yeah. run. I was just trying to think outside the box so that, you know, Discord doesn't blow up. And, and you, you know, I mean, we just saw it with Terra Luna. Everybody had God knows how much warning. And I'm still seeing shit in Discord about people that are wondering if they can withdraw from the pool. I mean, it's, it's, it's vanity, <laughs> but, you yeah. know, it's a for the beast. That's the communication challenge, but it's something that, you know, the team has been working on for a while. Like, Native Rune's been available for well over a year now. And it's, it's, it's you know, it was first available. It's been publicized that the old versions of rune are going to be deprecated and i think that uh you know most buyers of like and say like a new buyer of rune would probably be buying it on a centralized exchange or directly on the uh, on you know something like ThorSwap or any of the other interfaces that uh right. that use door chain so i like uh i mean I, it's a communications like challenge for sure but i think that uh, you know, this is just kind of the way that it, it, it has to be done. We, we need to move past them at some point because they don't bring oh, any value I, I, to the I agree 100%. Chain. It's not even a communications problem. It's a, it's a stupidity problem. I hate to say it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I watched the Discord thread and, and I know I've been one of them, and, 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 you know, that as a, as a noob at one point, you know, I had questions, but I mean, just some of these people uh, like blow my mind. Like, how did you even click a button to buy this shit? I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it, but anyways, Keep up the great work, guys. I'm glad we're, we're past the whole Luna debacle. I'm sure they'll be, you know, out there in the crypto space at this point, many others. But again, you know, the bright side is just the time to build and and uh, this too shall pass. So fortunate to be part of the Rune gang and and look forward to all the new to mainnet and, and all the new things that uh, you guys have been thinking about. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yes. Susan. And if anyone else has questions, uh, you can just hit the request button on the bottom left and uh, we'll get you up on stage. Are you there, Susan? Looks like you just dropped down to listener. Maybe need to request again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I also want to want to come up. Can ask any questions. If you have questions about the single sided. Uh, Here's one. Stuff or, right. uh, Major. So he, there you go. Major, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. How's it going? Okay. Hi guys. Uh, I'm just wondering for the sex question. Uh, since like FTX was the only exchange who like literally like delisted room for the mainnet swap, I guess. Have you already heard from them guys? Like, do they need some additional work? Because Binance just like put deposits on hold and they took a couple of days and then they were back on and it was native. And like FTX for some reason sent out a cryptic tweet for like they delisting Rune and they might list it at the later point in mainnet. Have you ever heard from, from those guys that they're having some just like technical issues or what's what's the stand with, with FTX since it's still a pretty big exchange? Other than that, no further question. Uh, keep doing the great work, guys. Yeah, I mean, as, as far as I know, like, I haven't talked with FTX, but they're upgrading to native Rune. So, uh, yeah, uh, obviously not every exchange is, like, as up-to-date on the space as Binance. And, uh, you know, Bi Binance has, uh, you know, has support from the team to, like, basically, like, ha like setting up their node and, like, running the blockchains. Obviously, they need to set up infrastructure to, to run uh, and... To, to know like when they're getting deposits and withdrawals and what's happening on Dorchain itself. So like, that's probably the challenge that FTX is going through and they just uh, don't, I don't know. They, they just, that's the, the method that, that they're doing to, to get past this stuff. I don't know if you've heard anything else, Chad. I'm not talking to them directly for, to be honest. So I haven't had any conversation with them. Last I heard, there's not much of an issue or a problem here with, with regards to that, but I don't know what the timeline is for that. I don't know anything like that. So I'm just waiting. I mean, it, the tweet was weird and the article was weird the way they phrased it and, we reached out to them saying, like, why did you phrase it this way? Like, that's just a really funky way of going at it. And we just didn't even get a response, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. They definitely could have phrased it differently. They just threw some unnecessary FUD into the mix, for sure. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me either. It was 
confusing. Yeah. Let's go to Impossible Hunter. What's up? Hey guys. Um, quick question about the kill switch. Did or do you guys have a time frame of when that's actually going to go into effect? I think I missed that in the beginning. Yeah. So uh, after mainnet, the nodes will be able to. The nodes can vote right now on it, but uh, we'll start campaigning for a uh, for the kill switch to start uh, after mainnet. And the the date will probably be somewhere like a month in the future, and then go for anywhere from six months to a year for uh, for redemption. So there, there will be a solid month after mainnet of one to one full redemptions, but then after that it'll start ticking down. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. And um, I also remember in the past that there was a potential of uh, delisting uh, Binance. Uh, oh, no, I was saying uh, Bitcoin Cash. Any um, uh, I know any updates on that. I don't think any any chain will be delisted from Thorchain right now because I mean, like, if you were talking about uh, like some kind of chain that is very costly, like infrastructure wise to nodes, but then also has low volume, uh, that might be a different story. But like Bitcoin Cash, while it has like low volume on Thorchain, it's not as as far as I'm aware, it's like not excessively like hard to run. It, it doesn't cause a lot of problems on on Thorchain. It's just you know another chain connection. Uh, so like. I don't think anyone's like actively looking to to get it removed. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. Okay. Thanks, guys. Sweet. All right. Tijin, are you there now? Yeah. Sorry, I got um, Twitter connection issue before. Um, so the uh, main utility value proposition of uh, Thorchain that I've been observing so far has been the uh, the native token uh, exchange, right? Uh, whereas other places were doing coins. Uh, with the Osmosis chain now introducing native tokens on their decks and their ability to control uh, vertically uh, with their uh, Kepler wallets and now uh, below uh, decks itself where they're becoming a hub where they're inviting all the former Luna developers to launch their own apps on. How does a, a Thor chain compete with that? Or what does a competition picture look like going forward? Uh, hello, I have a question for this project. Can you hear me? Hey, sorry. Can you please mute your mic? Thanks. Uh, yeah, so uh, to my knowledge, I, I don't think uh, Offense is doing anything with Layer 1s. Uh, it's not structured to do so. It is talking about like using Solar as a bridge to get into the Ethereum and like other spaces, um, which I think was voted on as a community a while back as like the mechanism to create like Ethereum on Osmosis, but it's, it's a bridge just like any other, not actually layer one. It's using some sort of rough asset. Technically, Osmosis doesn't work with any layer ones, even within Cosmos, because uh, even, you know, Atom on Osmosis is technically a rock asset. It's you're locking the Atom token on the Atom chain, and then you're minting a new token on the other side that represents that one-to-one ratio, and then you're putting that into a pool. So technically, they don't have access to any layer one assets. Only Osmo itself is the only layer one that they have to interact with. Well, that's that's what I thought too, because they were doing the uh, using XLR as a, a bridge. They had the uh, WF and uh, wrapped uh, coins of using XLR. Uh, but on the recent conference, I think it was out in uh, Texas, where um, Sony uh, released the uh, screen image of F and AVAX. Uh, exchanging on osmosis and so i texted him or i twitter asked him if that's actually a native token like on Thorchain, and he said yes it is so i was kind of surprised by that uh, he's been talking about like something akin to like a thor five or uh, a lending exchange on decks and all that stuff before as well and he's been a fan of Thorchain. i know that um so uh, this is obviously the, something that Osmosis Lab has been working on that they released uh, or, or uh, unveiled at the co- recent conference, and it's not on their chain yet, but it looks like it's coming online. Yeah, um, I'd be curious to like shoot me uh, that, that tweet that you referred to. It's like I want to kind of read it more in depth, but yeah, my understanding, 
Is yeah, I'll send you the DM on that uh, a screenshot and the, the exchange that I had with him. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, or you can, yeah, works. Yeah, but, but Dorchain is still the only, uh, you know, cross-chain decks that can support these UTXO chains. I mean, yeah, like, I guess it really depends on how they're implementing it, but it's, it seems very unlikely they'd be able to implement something like Dorchain does with support for... Uh, you know, Bitcoin, other UTXO chains like outside of the EBM space. Well, like think about it this way: like they're validators, they don't run Bitcoin nodes, right? So if they're dealing with Bitcoin, they have to they have to offload that something to somebody else. And if they're offloading that something to somebody else, they're the ones that's doing the layer one interaction, and then they're receiving some sort of like wrapped asset effectively. So uh, unless they're like they're they're forking Thor chain code and they're just they're taking the Bifrost code specifically and they're gonna like redo Thorchain in their own code, which I haven't heard anything remotely close to that. But I don't I mean, it's not technically possible for them to integrate with Bitcoin directly without their validators running Bitcoin nodes. Yeah, I mean knowing like how many uh lines of code that are that are involved in the com- complexity of the Thorchain, I that's I mean it really caught me off guard. And that's why I specifically ask it's like they uh Sony's been talking about um I mean, because they're they're big on the easy UI UX inter, uh, interface, and that's how they get most of their users. Uh, so he's been talking about making the UI simpler, and that's why I initially asked him uh, whether it was just a UI trick, right? So that because that would be kind of dangerous, because like people are led to believe without that little uh, W in front of it, uh, it's like if it says F and Apex directly, they're gonna assume that they're buying the real token, and that's why I specifically asked him if it was a UI trick or. Um, the native token like Thorchain, and he, he, his answer was simple: Yeah, like it is a native token. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's 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 quite interesting because uh, so far Thorchain was the only one that could do that. Yeah, I'm curious yeah. to see that too. I'll try to find it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you even said it was within Kepler, but within Kepler, you can't have like native ETH or or AVAX. So kind of confused yeah, I, I'll send I'll send you guys a direct uh, direct um, a yeah. tweet uh, section on that so that you guys can look into that further. Yeah, yeah maybe he's just talking about the aggregator. <laughs> he's, he's just aggregating. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, maybe it was a low key <laughs> announcement. <laughs> so it's 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 not like Thorchain. It is Thorchain. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? They they incorporated Thorchain? Possibly. That, that I was talking about that in the beginning of the call, like them integrating with Thorchain so that they can they can support layer one Bitcoin without actually holding any Bitcoin themselves. And so they just send the Thorchain like chain, like send some Osmo, send some Adam, whatever, and then it gets swapped to Bitcoin on the Thorchain side and sends you know some Bitcoin, someone's BC one address, right? So, so from from their UI, like the users don't know anything about it. They just know that they're swapping. A native coin to native coin on osmosis without knowing that it's door chain or anything like that right they would have no idea that's happening in the, in the background theoretically right. right i mean i don't think it, i don't think this has been like anything officially announced right but in that case they would they would still need a native wallet for the the chain they're swapping to or from um so i i suppose we'll see what, what's actually happening there yeah the, i think they would have to upgrade the kepler wallet or something like this or to allow it i don't know to figure it out with time i guess but it's totally possible to accomplish. Yeah, I know. I, like our team is definitely open to, to helping Osmosis solve this problem, especially uh, you know whatever we can do with on the aggregator front. Sonny was just in here earlier. You probably were in the, in the call at the very beginning, but uh, yeah, he, he was in here. We were just talking about the, the Atom integration and how that could basically interface with uh, Osmosis. So uh, you know, hopefully, we get them on board for an aggregator. And yeah, they're, they're, then we can offer real native support for uh, you know real native swaps between. Cosmos and you know all the other stuff. So, so by, have, the, by, by the way, when is uh, Thorchain bringing Adam uh, on board as a native token? 
Adam is on StageNet right now, and it should likely be launched next week, possibly the week after if there's delays. But everything is is basically ready. It's on it's on StageNet and just being tested right now. So everything's looking good for for Adam, like very very soon. And AVAX is a little further off. It's not on StageNet yet, and that'll need an independent audit uh, before it would go live on mainnet. All right, thanks for coming on, man. All right, yeah, let's go to uh, GoCon. Sorry for cutting you off earlier. What's up? Hello, uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yep, BRB. Uh, first of all, thanks for allowing to me. Uh, I have a question, uh, basically two questions. Uh, do you think it will be the best project for uh, decentralized finance for year for this year? Sorry, is your question whether Thorchain is the best DeFi project? Yes, <laughs> yes, that is. Yes, I would, I would say that. Sure. We would definitely say so. Not financial advice, but we're obviously big bulls on what's going on in the ThorChain yeah. world. <laughs> so ThorChain is basically cross-chain infrastructure that allows decentralized swaps between real native layer one tokens as you know, Bitcoin to Ethereum swaps and, and whatnot. Yeah, like imagine all these centralized institution type products that are out there, right? Like centralized exchanges for trading or like BlockFi and Celsius for earning yield or uh, you know lending and borrowing and stuff like that. Like Thorchain is really a way to achieve all of those same goals, but without the company in the middle, <laughs> which is really the like vision of crypto from the beginning that has kind of been uh, like slapped together with centralized companies on top of it to make this stuff possible. So, you know, Thorchain is really like, from my perspective, basically the most important project going in, in the DeFi space. Obviously, take it with a grain of salt. This is a Thorchain weekly live space. Yeah. So, yeah any, <laughs> any other any other questions? From you, sir? Yeah, you can ask it. Uh, hello. Uh, my first, uh, my second question. Uh, Torche will there an upgrade to this year? Sorry, what was that? Repeat that. Uh, Torche will there an upgrade for this year? Torche will be going into mainnet in a week and in some change, if that's your question. It'll, it'll be on operation for the indefinite future. It won't be going anywhere. <laughs> Okay, so thanks. Sweet. Thanks, man. Uh, let's go to Total Value. Hi, guys. How are you doing? What's up, man? That's all. Uh, I just wanted to confirm that, like, you know, Binance.com is on the Thorchain mainnet uh, main and it's like the native. Um, so BEP2 is gone from Binance dot com for deposit and withdrawal. You know, I know because that you asked that some somebody can confirm, I can fully confirm. <laughs> Sweet, we did it. Yeah, and Kraken is also on native rune, and uh, Crypto.com withdrawal is on native rune, not the deposit, as far as I know. Oh yeah, that's a great point. I always kind of forget about those, but um, for the yeah. for the for the US folks, that's that's a good um, good options there. So that's pretty relatively simple like way like like to somebody earlier who was asking about just like the the simplicity of you know kind of getting the normies into this world uh yeah kraken and, and crypto.com are definitely solid options yeah and i'm not going to be super worried about the transition actually like you know because all of these major ones are moving um and whoever is having it like you know on the xdefi or somewhere i'm pretty sure they have done the upgrade so i i think like you know it's it's not a big deal from this point. I uh, just wanted to also ask a question about the BEP2. Uh, now that Binance has done it to us and taken away the Rune BEP2, 
are we going to take away their BIP to BNB and put it on like, you know, BSC? Like, you know, it, this can be a good question for Chad B. Uh, I actually always wondered what's the reason that we are on BIP2, not BIP20. Uh, I think my guess is that like, you know, once like, you know, when Thorchain Thor started, it was like, you know, BIP2 that was functional back then. Uh, but like, you know, BSC, uh, like, you know, I have reasons for asking this because like, you know, imagine the users of uh, like, you know, other exchanges other than Binance uh, wanting to like, you know, bring their uh, BEP20 Bitcoin or like, you know, BUSD or those assets. And we've seen they per perform really well in terms of the volume. So I think like, you know, having BSC instead of BEP2 opens up more options for people to provide the liquidity from central exchanges. Yeah, I don't know if Chad's back, but I, I agree with you there that, that like Binance Smart Chain is something that we're looking into integrating. Uh, we, you know, we, we just have to prioritize like where, where we're putting our resources. And I think that is the reason that BEP2 BEP is supported rather than BEP20. So um, yeah, I mean, I definitely like to see Binance Smart Chain support for limited number of tokens on uh, on, on Thor. Like, I think getting Binance Smart Chain support for like BNB, uh, some stable coins, and then you know major assets like like B, BTC would, would be probably helpful, and just the increased liquidity overall. So I like I'd like to see that, and you know hopefully we get that in the future, like as part of like the you know the prioritization of which chains are integrated at Thor Chain and which ones aren't. Yeah, or get an aggregator going there with PancakeSwap or whatever um, and just have like uh, BEP20 BNB integrated. Um, yeah, hopefully maybe, like, I don't know I don't know what conversations they're having exactly around BSC, but like with, with the AVAX coming and kind of like knocking out some EVMs, uh, I would be hopeful to, to see that. Um, but yeah, I think as far as like why it's BEP2, it's just kind of like a legacy thing, right? Like, like Rune was launched um, on BEP2 itself, like BEP swap was kind of like where it all started. So, yeah, Binance Smart Chain didn't exist at the time that we launched the BEP2 asset back in like 2019. I think Binance Smart Chain launched what, like a year and a half ago, I think, or a year ago, whatever it was. Yes. Yeah. So, like, that was the reason why we're on BEP2 and not BEP20. BEP20 didn't exist at the time. And we certainly weren't going to spend the time to start to migrate to a new chain like BEP20. And just did, it just doesn't make any logical sense to me at all. But, like, so we'll, we'll continue to support the Binance chain, I think, probably, unless we want to remove it. But adding Binance Smart Chain as well, I think I'm totally open to doing that at some, at some point. Cool. That's awesome. Actually, actually, this BIP2 thingy, like, it's super awesome. Nobody else has this in a, like, a decentralized way. Like, you know, the, even the other exchanges, you cannot withdraw BIP2. And it's kind of, like, uh, a fun thing to have. But yeah, thanks for the answer. Hey, Secret Ninja. Hey, I just wanted to clear it up a bit because I heard Sunny talk about it, how it works with the Osmosis Native Coin Exchange. So the way it works is they uh, they have a collaboration with uh, XLR actually, and every coin that is integrated or supported via XLR um, is first transferred to. Uh, the Excela bridge, then let's say if you want to switch like the, uh, our classical example, like Bitcoin to Ethereum, you would send your Bitcoin to the Excela bridge, then it gets converted into WBTC on Osmosis. WBTC gets swapped to uh, wrapped Ethereum on Osmosis. And wrapped Ethereum gets sent back to XLR and uh, then eventually to the destination address where the swapper wants his uh, ETH sent to. That's uh, how the mechanism works. And obviously, UI is just 
like give give me your sending address, give me your receiving address where you want to uh, Ethereum uh, send to, and then everything of that works like I what I described right now works in the background. So that's how they're planning on like swapping native coins. Uh, between each other and that, that would work with i don't know solana abex as well obviously everything that is supported via Exla gets automatically uh, integrated into osmosis that's a mechanism how i understood how it works yeah so Exla is providing a bridge between a native asset and a uh, ICS 20 asset on the Cosmos chain. Correct. Right. It's still a bridge mechanism. Yeah, yeah. That's the main difference between ThorChain and Osmosis. The thing is, uh, like the regular end user, so to speak, doesn't really recognize the difference, right? I mean, if you're if you're a swapper, you probably wouldn't recognize much of a difference because you're you're transient in your exposure to the wrapped asset. Uh, but to somebody who's LPing that that wrapped asset they are you know they have long-term exposure to the health of the bridge that is true yeah yeah that that uh, that is also like because i i'm a fan of both projects actually and um i i provided liquidity for both projects yeah but i still like uh, thought chain more in the way that i'm really exposed to native bitcoin and <laughs> i'm still super nervous because i invested in terra as well uh, about this wbtc exposure because i'm always thinking like oh what if something goes wrong if the company behind wbtc like goes bankrupt and doesn't uh, refund my wbtc to real btc anymore then it's worthless so yeah th that's what i like more about the thought chain model you're absolutely right in that but uh, yeah i just wanted to explain like uh, give a little bit of background on how the osmosis team wants to uh, tackle this issue because i think like the more angles uh, like the more angles we are tactic issue and in the end like the more decentralized are we in my opinion so um, i think it's uh, a win hopefully and i uh, in some way hope both models are going to work out but uh, yeah that's true that's the main difference in the end yeah sounds like we need to get the osmosis team on the line and get uh get this aggregator right in there <laughs> well once we get that integration that sounds like what needs to happen yeah, totally. I uh, definitely. Um, also, like for the Adam integration, um, I I don't know if you guys are familiar with CryptoCedo, but he's like an Adam influencer on YouTube, and um, I have his number right now. So if you guys want to DM me and like do an interview with him um, on the Adam integration on Thorchain, because he has question as well. Like he's always wondering, oh, why hasn't Thorchain enabled IP? and all this stuff so uh, if i if, if i should uh, you guys link up with him i think that would be really cool because he has a like a huge cosmos following and uh, yeah i think it would be helpful for thorchain as well and to get the communication across that the collaboration is actually happening yeah that would be awesome uh, i'll reach out to you as well about that um can get something going uh, maybe with the thor swap team too or if uh, if we can do something if, if chad b wants to hear some thorchain core people too That'd be great. I think he's into this call, actually. Oh, really? So, yeah. What's up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Let's make it happen. Yeah, CryptoCedo, let's do it. Then. Yeah, cool. Definitely. Let's go. LFG. Let's get it.
All right. Anything else that, uh, that you guys want to say before you wrap up? That's it from my side. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for adding that. That was, uh, yeah, that was informative. Didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, I don't see any other questions uh, in the queue. So, um, yeah, I think this was I think this was great. It's uh, fun to catch up after a few weeks off and uh, get all hyped up again. So, <laughs> I got I got my dose of Chad B uh, <laughs> hype. Uh, I, I was deficient. So, yeah, this is yes, great. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I hope we can do these every week. Like, I, I really do try to do them every week, but it's like it's hard because sometimes the you know the team is out, like like Chad's out, or I'm out, or just you know I really, we do really do try to do these every week, and uh, that's the goal. But you know, realistically, it might not happen to be like every single Friday. But you know, we we do our best to get this content out there because I know that people have questions, and you know, sometimes it's just a lot easier to ask your question just you know just saying it rather than you know typing in some discourse of words, having no idea what's happening. So I hope these are helpful to people and. Uh, yeah, we're, we we will do them as often as possible. We'll try and try and continue to do it weekly. Sorry for the past uh, couple of weeks being kind of on and off, but it's the way that it be. Yeah, and if you tuned in late, uh, you can catch recordings to just navigate back to where the space was tweeted, or they go up permanently on the Rune Base podcast. So that'll be up usually within a few days after on there, or immediately for the for the Twitter space itself. So yeah, you can always catch it there too. Cool. All right, until next week. Catch you guys later. See ya later.